There he is. Oh, there we go. Hi, Craig. Oh, that was terrifying. I didn't like that. <laughs> we missed you, Craig. Now recording. Now recording. <laughs> okay, Craig. Thank Already you, Craig. Die. Very cool. Thanks, Craig. Very cool. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's start talking about Star Wars. Well, first, I do want to talk about the announcements because I've been thinking about that all night because by the time Fact. this comes out, we would already like it's been a few months um, or a few weeks. <laughs> but there was so much that happened last night in the meeting that it's a little overwhelming. <laughs> but yes. they're great announcements. I I agree. There's a lot. I think I I think I counted right. They have ten, I guess, show announcements. They had ten different uh, shows, new shows, or new details about pre-existing shows. And then they also had one movie in Rogue Squadron. And they also said that Taika Waititi was going to direct a movie yeah. in in the future. That was I think they said like December of 2025. So that's a little <laughs> wow. while. But, <laughs> I will you know, be 25 years old. <laughs> dang. That's crazy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, it's still a lot. But like some of them were kind of expected. Like I think everybody kind of saw an Ahsoka show coming. Yeah. Um, I think not. maybe not everybody saw it coming. But I think everybody was really hoping that Hayden Christensen would come back in Kenobi. Uh, yes, and and make some appearances, which has now been confirmed, which is very exciting. So uh, I thought that was interesting because they said that he's coming back as Darth Vader. So yes. it kind of sounds like he's not going to be coming back as Anakin. I right. saw that he'd be both. Okay. I but, mean, I would love to see his Clone Wars armor, like him wearing it. That'd be that would really be cool. cool. That yeah, would be pretty what good. I thought about when they said like he's coming back as Darth Vader. I thought of the scene in like the shows where he's fighting Ahsoka and like his helmet gets cracked and you like see Anakin's face under it. I thought that would be pretty raw. Oh yes, yeah. that kind of thing with Hayden Christensen behind a mask. I'd be pretty excited. And I think there's also um, a small period of time before he gets into the armor where he's referring to himself as Darth Vader. It's basically from the moment he cuts off Mace Windu's hand. Uh, right. Yeah. And Palpatine's like, "You're Darth Vader now." Ooh. Um, <laughs> so I, it, he doesn't necessarily. I mean, that's a really small window because between that time and when they fight on Mustafar, probably wasn't very long. Yeah, it's less than but, a day for sure. Yeah. I I still I find it interesting, especially because like, you know, he's he wasn't the voice of of Vader in the movies, so right. And he's not even close to the voice of vader <laughs> james yes. Earl jones is still alive though so. james Earl jones is still alive but i feel like if they announce hayden christensen coming back to be vader if they were planning on using vader they would have also said something about james Earl jones at least if they were intending to bring him back which i mean i don't have a problem with them not it would have been awesome if they did uh, yeah, I just I feel like, like that been thought that, that James Earl Jones would come back. Like just them yeah. announcing that Hayden Christensen is playing Darth Vader. I was like, okay, so it's obvious that James Earl Jones could voice him. And also, if James Earl Jones doesn't want to come back, he could be voiced by I don't remember his name, but he was the voice of Darth Vader in um, Jedi Fallen Order, and he was great. 
Oh, um, yeah. Well, and I'm sure yeah. they have enough recorded dialogue from, you know, all the movies they've shot with James Earl Jones where he plays Vader that if they needed to, they could probably piece together enough audio samples to make a yeah. full-length, you know, show with, with Vader lines. I agree. I think the most exciting part of this is that we're finally going to be able to see a, an, an Obi-Wan Darth Vader fight that is worth the time. Yeah, well choreographed. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well choreographed. Not like like Obi Wan and Anakin, awesome in my opinion, the best lightsaber duel yeah, in all sure. of Star Wars for sure. Um, or just best lightsaber fight moment, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. But if we saw a rematch, but a couple of years down the line, where Vader has had time to hone his skills, and we'll finally see some of that incredible power that he's always had and mm -hmm. obi-wan has kind of been in hiding and maybe not training as much we could see a very uh interesting outcome in a, in a big fight that yeah. wouldn't really just be mm -hmm. obvious so yeah like a couple months ago i was uh, i was reading up on darth vader's armor because i was just curious about like you know what it was all made of and, and stuff like that and they were like, yeah, for, for the first little bit that Anakin's in the armor, he's, like, basically immobile because it's so restricting because it's, like, really thick, like, composite material and it's very heavy and, you know, he's covered in burns. And so yeah. <laughs> he's, like, right. struggling to move. And I think it'd be interesting to see a fight where Anakin's just gotten into the armor and so he's not used to this lightsaber, he's not used to this armor, and he's trying to, like, fight Obi-Wan, who's easily one of the best you know, lightsaber duelists of all time. Like, I just think it'd be yeah. interesting to see. Speaking of the lightsaber, I would love to see an origin story for it. Mm, yeah. Because it's, yes. it, it's not Anakin's lightsaber. We know right. that. Because Anakin's lightsaber is passed down to Luke through Obi-Wan. And then, you know, she who shall not be named ended up with it in episode seven. But... <laughs> um, <laughs> Did so we know Ray that it's not this Skywalker. it's not the same lightsaber. It's not the same lightsaber. So um I would be really interested to see if there was a like a uh, a story behind the lightsaber or if Sidious was just like, here you go. <laughs> have have this one. It's a it's yeah. my extra. You gotta imagine he built it though. Because they make a big deal in, in Legends about Luke building his own and like that right. tradition. So you gotta yeah. you gotta figure he he you know, corrupted his own crystal and built his own saber. I do have a question um, for you guys. Um, I know there's like a debate among the Star Wars fans. I mean, there's tons of debates among Star Wars fans. I'm going to be honest, one of the most toxic fan groups ever. Um, but <laughs> um, so it is Anakin's saber and I always call it Anakin's saber. And mm -hmm. now that Rey has it, um, and at Disney, they call it Ray Skywalker's saber, no, um, especially when it was broken and they have it where she repaired it. Um, I from I believe like it's not me thinking saying like oh Ray's a terrible female character she's Mary Sue. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that it was Anakin's saber. It was never Luke's saber. It was still Anakin's saber. Therefore, it is still like it's not Ray's saber. So yeah. I kind of get annoyed when people say that and yeah. everyone's yeah. like, well, they gave it to her. So like, obviously now it's Ray's saber. I'm like that, but that doesn't make any sense. Well, you know? here's, here's the thing. And this goes beyond that example. It goes into multiple. 
if you're given a lightsaber, it isn't yours. Right. They make a big deal in the Clone Wars um, about building the lightsabers. They have a small, you know, they do their, you know, sectioned episodes. They have their small little arc where Ahsoka takes some younglings to, you know, to Ilum and they get their crystals and they end up running into some troubles and pirates. But at the end of the day, it's all about them building their own lightsabers and it being theirs. Yes. So that is that is a very important part of, of the lore. And, you know, at some point off screen that Anakin built his own lightsaber uh, in between yeah. episodes one and two, obviously. So that is Anakin's lightsaber. Now, when Luke gets it, it's not Luke's lightsaber because in episode six, he has a new lightsaber and that is his. He builds right. one and he, he has it. he has the green blade. That's his lightsaber through the through the sequels. Um, when Ray gets it, it's not hers. I mean, Finn ends up with it at some point, but it was never his. Yeah. Um, right. so she uses it for what, like, um, a couple movies, but then she's revealed to have a yellow lightsaber at the end, which I mean, say what you want about it, but that's her lightsaber now. Right. That is her lightsaber. And she buries the other lightsabers which is weird I didn't which like is that. a little bit weird i guess it's sort of like a <laughs> <Yes>. memorial <laughs> thing maybe a little bit um i can't even say that because they came out i was gonna say it's reminiscent of the end of the clone wars but season seven of the clone wars came out after episode right. nine yeah. so yeah. That, that's not even a thing um but uh, whatever however you want to interpret that event she has yeah. her own lightsaber now and that's hers well and you think of it in the context of like it's a Skywalker family heirloom in essence. Like, you know, Anakin builds it, it gets passed down to Luke and then Luke passes it down, not to his kid because in Canon, he doesn't have any kids, but to his kind of not Padawan really, but like his, you know, his student. Yeah. So I think of it like any antique that you have in your family or family heirloom. Like we have my grandma's clock up on the wall. That's like, you know, it's like a hundred years old. Like it, it was her mom's before her and whatever. But I'm not like, hey, that's my clock on the wall. Or I'm, I'm not right. like, hey, yeah. that's my dad's clock on the wall. It's it's my grandma's clock because she was the original owner. And so I think it's the same way. It's like it's always going to be Anakin's lightsaber regardless of whose hands it's in because it was built by yes. and built for Anakin. So. The, there was a similar thing in Jedi Fallen Order where, um, I mean, spoilers if you haven't played it, I guess, but <laughs> Cal, he, the lightsaber you start with isn't his. It was his master's. Yeah, and um, the way that he ends up making his lightsaber is by using the hilt of his lightsaber and someone else's lightsaber who didn't want to be a Jedi anymore, and fusing them together with kyber crystals that he found, and that made it his because he technically still crafted it. He found his kyber crystal, right? Um, so that's a little bit different, but. I mean, he had his lightsaber, and he lost it when Order 66 happened. Um, but he kept his masters, who gave it to him yeah. after Order 66. But he never he never referred to it as his lightsaber. It was always his masters. Yeah. So this kind of reminded me, because um, I didn't want to. I wanted to talk about this because uh, I. It's the only thing that bothered me about this experience. So um, a few days ago. I went to Sabi's workshop in Galaxy's Edge at Disney, and I built my own lightsaber, which it is my lightsaber. It's not Ray's, not anyone's. Um, right. And it was really, it was really fun. It was a cool experience. The only thing is that Sabi, are you okay? <laughs> huh? 
You're like you're shifting making a lot around, of noise. James. Oh yeah, we're good. Sorry. <laughs> Jeez, I gotta edit that out now. Any. <laughs> so basically, um, Savi has a bunch of collectors, um, and this is canon, by the way. And they find Jedi artifacts, and they find kyber crystals. Now, everything that happens in Black Spire Outpost is canon. Um, they make that really clear. Like even the park is canon itself. So when you go and build it, they have tons of kyber crystals, like like tons of them. And my thing is, there is a shortage of kyber crystals and savi himself knows about the jedi order and how like there's like no resources for them so why is he hoarding all these kyber crystals for travelers to batu to build their own lightsaber like that that's the only thing that bugs me about the experience because there's just so many of them they're like in buckets and i'm like bro <laughs> so i don't know i just found that a little odd well, yeah, and I guess the question stands, like, is that your lightsaber if it's not your kyber crystal that you found? Like, if you buy a kyber crystal, is it still your lightsaber that you're building with it? That's a very good point, especially since the metal is called, it's like, they call it scrap metal. Um, right. So, like, you go up to them, you can't say, hey, I'm here to build a lightsaber. You say, hey, can I see your scrap metal? And then they check you in for your appointment. Um, like, it's, you have to use code words and stuff. Um yeah. And right. the metal I used is founded by all these like scavengers. So therefore, that metal technically I didn't get myself. Right. So you you bring up a good point. It's technically not my lightsaber. I just like put it together. Well, here's a an interesting thing in the Clone Wars uh, Saw Gerrera at one point. I think it was. Oh no, that's this was in Rebels. Saw Gerrera tried yeah. to steal that big Kyber crystal. Remember that. Um, to use it to like weaponize it, but also to keep it out of the hands of other people. Um, yeah, he wanted to use it for personal gain, and in the timeline now, we don't have Ilum anymore. Ilum was Starkiller base, and now that's gone. Yeah, Ilum is bonked. It's 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 gone. It's exploded. It's you know in ruins. So there, the only real place to get Kyber Crystal now is i guess tatooine in the sands from the <laughs> from the crate dragon <laughs> pearls which now there's one confirmed that is around somewhere which is pretty interesting but if we're talking about it being canon if you had buckets of kyber crystals why wouldn't you use them for profit what are you yeah. going to do with all those kyber crystals sure. why wouldn't you try to make a bunch of money uh like i don't know a couple hundred dollars per person off of them <laughs> uh I don't know. That that's just the kind of way I see it because he might not care that much about the Jedi Order. Like right. a lot of people saw them as corrupt, and I mean, I mean that's true. Say, say what you will, but they were a little bit cultish, especially in the Republic era, um, when they were you know kidnapping kids and yeah. you know. Well, and apparently it's not that big <laughs> doing of a that deal. whole thing. Apparently it's <laughs> not that big of a deal because like in canon when they're talking about the crate dragon, like Luke finds a bunch of crate dragon pearls and sells them to repair a ship so apparently like selling kyber crystals is not some great offense to the jedi order or anything it's just kind of like how you have to get yeah. by, I guess. but the jedi the jedi order is really different than what it was before true, yeah. the republic fell but that doesn't really apply here i guess i but yeah. I, I see what you're saying i maybe he didn't even know at that point too yeah i don't know you never, you never know because i mean even if he did, I doubt anybody else would really know that there were kyber crystals right. in there. Yeah. 
Well, and I don't know. I, I like the Galaxy's Edge thing. I think it's really cool. And I think that, like, making it all canon is really good for immersion and stuff. Yeah. But it's like, <laughs> sometimes there's just, like, blatant cash grabs. And this is one of them. <laughs> it's like, you get to be part of the canon experience for a low, low price of, like, $200 if you want to buy a lightsaber. The lightsaber for my, like, I, it was 214 right. And Jeez. you get a pin... And you go into the experience, and they do a little show. Yeah. Um, the show itself is extremely short, mm-hmm. um, and they rush you along, so you can't really. So you have a lot of different options for the type of metal and what you want your saber to look like, and they don't give you enough time to pick that out. So I was kind of rushing. I didn't really get everything that I really wanted. So like, if you do go and do the Galaxy's Edge lightsaber experience. Go and like pick out exactly what you want before you do the experience itself because you'll you'll get really overwhelmed and they like they have stuff in their script to like hurry you along. And um I think my sister and I were the last two people to be building our saber, which it's really easy. The only problem is that since of since COVID, the people helping you have mask and a face shield on and you cannot understand a word they say. So you kind of have to figure that out on your own on how to build it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I would say um, I'm sure that you can find online uh, a list of all the components that they have available. Yeah, you I'm can. Sure some nerd like us has broken down everything they've got. <laughs> well, consider uh, for a moment that not everybody's lightsaber probably looks exactly how they want it to look. Right. It's kind of the will of the force in a way. Um, good point. Good point. The will I mean, of the force or the will of Disney employees. The will of Disney employees. Yes. <laughs> What's the difference? Disney employees, oh, the force. Nice, I mean, nice. same same thing. Uh, conspiracy. But I, I I don't know when. I mean, I'm gonna go back to the younglings episode in in the Clone Wars. I mean, the my one of my favorite ones was like the Wookie, the Wookie youngling. He like wanted this super cool lightsaber, and the robot was just like, no, no, no. I don't care what you want. Tell me what you see. And I was like, yo, that's crazy. Uh, so it, it, I'm sure everybody's like satisfied with the lightsaber they get. Like, I doubt anyone's like, well, this sucks. Yeah. But at the same time, <laughs> yeah. I don't think anyone could spends hours just like sifting through metal and, and like, you can't pick your color or anything. Like it yeah. just, it is, well, your lightsaber is going to be the way that it is. And I rather like had like I wish I had at least I, I think they gave yeah, well, us they fought in a five galactic minutes. war. So you know what? Okay, James. <laughs> okay. <out>. Boom. <laughs> um, I just wish they gave you a little bit more time. Um, right. but yeah, I mean, I my saber. I think my saber looks pretty cool. I'm gonna send you guys a picture. Oh, nice. So I have a question. What's up? Yeah. The scrap metal is it actual metal or is it like? Yeah, it's metal. It's really oh, heavy. That's crazy. Okay, I thought it was like... Okay, listen. Listen, listen, listen. When I was a young child, I went to the the little itty-bitty sliver of Hollywood Studios that was the tattooing, you know, like the cantina and and the little ride. And at the end of the ride, there was like... You know when you go to crappy roadside tour spots and there's those big bins just full of rocks and you can like put a bunch of rocks in a bag and they charge you like 25 bucks for it? Yeah. It was like that, but with plastic lightsaber parts, and you could build like mm-hmm. a little telescoping plastic lightsaber. Yeah, I did that. I it was like begged 30 bucks. my parents to let me do that, <laughs> and they didn't. And I'm so glad because now 
I can go and drop $200 of my hard-earned money and get a metal lightsaber. Oh, yeah. Way cooler. So they really up their game, and I respect that because, like, honestly, materials aren't that expensive, but I think it's – if it's made of metal and it's going to last, I think it warrants, you know, 200 bucks. It's still a cash mm-hmm. grab, but it's a respectable one. Respectable yeah. I was under grab. the impression it was plastic, and I was like, dude, what? People oh, no, are... it's really, really good quality. Um, they it's have awesome. kyber Ooh. crystals, um, dude, and – Right? So to change the color of your saber, um, you have to put in the kyber crystal yourself. And when you put it in, it looks so cool. It lights up, it makes a sound, and each ignition sounds different. So I have almost all the colors. um, And my favorite, personally for me, is yellow. And it makes a really cool ignition sound. Um, I also have purple. I have red only because I was looking for the black kyber crystal, which is extremely rare. Um, and you have to buy a red kyber crystal for the chance of getting it, but I still yeah, haven't so gotten it. How does it, that so. work? Do you like buy the, is it like you buy the right to go get a kyber crystal to like dig through the bin or what? So, so when you are building your lightsaber, you get one for free. Well, technically not free, but you get one right. starter kyber Included. crystal. And I picked blue because I didn't want, want to look like a noob and get Blue's purple. Blue is the best color for lightsabers, but keep going. Yes. Yeah. So um, I got blue, and then you go into Doc Ontars, um, and you go. There's like this huge wall of kyber crystals, and they have they have yellow, they have green, blue, red, purple, and white. I think I'm missing one of them, but oh well. Um, and I I you just buy them. They're they're fourteen dollars, I believe, right now um, for each kyber crystal. You don't have to go through bins for that one, but when you are doing the Salvi Workshop experience, they like bring out this like LED type like thing and you just Okay, they tell you to close your eyes, right? <laughs> okay. Let me tell you okay, this is what happened, right? They're like, okay, close your eyes. And like I never close my eyes when someone says close your eyes. I don't yeah, trust I mean, people, right? That's survival instincts, yeah. <laughs> right? So I didn't close my eyes. And so one of the gatherers, I guess, like looked at me and he was like, Oh god one of these people nice. and they just bring so they just like present all these different colors to you um but yeah you can just buy the kyber crystals in like a tube in doc Antars. um it's not in a bucket for for that so so when you get the black one it's like you buy a red one and you just get what you get and you can't really control it yeah the the black one is extremely rare it goes like on ebay it people sell it for a lot of money and you get like this little card in it that says you found one of the rarest kyber crystals um which i was talking to one of my friends about the black kyber crystal because black spire is canon so right. is the black kyber is that what powers the dark saber potentially i think so i feel like it okay. is. i mean i can't think of another explanation because like the way that you get you know the white lightsabers is like you purify a red kyber crystal but i can't imagine there's like a a worse version of corrupting a crystal that'll turn it from red to black like i feel like you just have to find the black kyber crystal to, yeah. to get a black saber or that would make the most sense yeah i hope they explore the creation of the dark saber more me too because it did yeah, a little bit in the so clone cool. wars but so cool not to enough it's uh so, so moving forward since we brought up the dark saber um mandalorian season three was confirmed Bet. Yes. Which, I mean, nobody is surprised about that. Not even a little um, bit. But also, the Rangers of the New Republic show Ooh. 
has mm-hmm. been announced that will be taking place around the same time period as The Mandalorian. And that's with, you know, Cara Dune and those two troopers probably who are following Mando around in the X-Wings. Oh, that's fun. I like um, They're fun. They're, I, I have some ideas on some characters that could show up in it. I think it would be an interesting show. I don't think it's a, it is as exciting as some of these other announcements. No, but I agree. Yeah. it's still pretty cool. I think the thing I'm most excited for is the Acolyte. I think that's how it's pronounced. It it kind of went under the radar. Like, I barely saw anything about it. But apparently it's going to be a show that's set in the High Republic. Oh. Which I'm so excited for. Because we've had nothing from, from then. Um, and it is such a cool time period. How is, how is Acolyte spelled? Do you know? It's A C O L Y T E. Oh, okay, yeah. No, that's a real word. One who assists right. a member of clergy in a liturgical service by performing minor duties. So I guess oh, it's yeah. going to be about like the formalities. Of the it's it's really supposedly cool. uh, it's called like a a mystery thriller. Oh. Um, that's how it's being described at the moment. Which interesting. It could be very cool, and I think I saw something that will say, like, it's going to take place during the High Republic, but near the end. Oh, okay. Like, before it fell. Dude, I'd love to see, like, a Game of Thrones type thing where you've got, like, double crossing and hierarchy, and I, I think that'd be cool. That'd be really be cool, yeah. Insane. Um, we also have a Rogue Squadron movie, which I don't really know anything about, but Maybe. I think I heard that it's from the same director as the director of Wonder Woman. Ooh. So mm-hmm. we'll we'll see how that goes. <laughs> we'll see um, how that goes. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> uh, hopefully, hopefully it's good. We did not enjoy that movie. Uh, I don't know. I yeah, tried. I, didn't, I love Chris I didn't Pine. Really I just I couldn't get into it. I hated. I that love movie. Chris Pine. Uh, I hope it's good. I don't really know anything about it. It sounds. I don't. It's kind of interesting that there was already a Rogue One, but now there's a Rogue Squadron. So maybe it's kind of a play on that. That's going to be like in, something inspired by. Yeah. So I think Rogue, Rogue Squad because right when I heard that name, I thought about um, Squadrons, the Star Wars game, which right. by the way is not that good. I told James it was because I was like the first week I had it, and then after a while it was, eh. It's it's like the same thing over and over again, so it's not that fun. Anyway, it's not the it. point. <laughs> <laughs> so. I think it has to do with maybe like a squadron like that, like a um, fighter squadron where maybe they were imperial, maybe they're not anymore. I don't know. What if it could? Oh, I'm thinking it could be about. Um, this is just like right off the top of the head right now because you said that the uh, the characters from the Battlefront Two campaign, like the newest one, they were. Where they were part of the empire, and then when the empire fell, they kind of they left and they went to the resistance, not really the the rebellion, and helped them. But that could be interesting. I mean, they were like they were like a little squadron, and then they left because they realized what they were doing was wrong. Yeah, wasn't there in the Rise of Skywalker? It was Janna, like who helped like Ray get to the um. Death Star, Janna, and like her group, it could be maybe it could be those people, but I be. I really want it to be like set um 
a new hope time. Like I, I don't know. I could, I could see that. I could see that happening. Um, I think it could be. Um, well, you had because in in episode four you had Rogue Two and you had like Rogue Three, whatever. There were more ships that were referred to as Rogue because yeah. of what happened at Rogue One. Which, by the way, that's an incredible attention to detail that I did so not good. notice. In the yeah. actual original cut of episode four, the first ship in that fight was like Rogue Two checking in or whatever it was, whatever the line was. And I don't know, I never thought about what the heck was a Rogue, where was Rogue One. But yeah, I mean, that's incredible that the it was thought that out planned. in this that long ago. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Well, and I think that's the beauty of like planning your story over like a really long period of time. Like I think where the Fast and Furious franchise really fell off is like they made the first movie and we're like, we don't know if we're going to have the funding or how well this is going to do to make a second movie. And so they just like picked up the story where they left off and they ran with it. And that's what they've been going for, like, you know, whatever, eight movies. Right. Now. But I think the beauty of planning your story in advance and like having enough confidence to be like, okay, I can invest the time to plan at least three movies and we'll see how the first one goes. Um, I think the beauty of that is you have this option of carrying an overarching story over like 20 years, like a crazy amount of time versus like if, if like, um, if the original trilogy had flopped, like, or, or the, the sequels or the prequels had flopped, they had the option of like never giving an answer and it would have been fine because it was said right. in a passing comment, but like it connects the whole story over like a 25 year span. And I think that's really cool. I think that's something that the MCU did pretty well. And yeah, I'm not going to say that they planned, you know, from Iron Man to end game because they didn't, they but didn't. they did plan Iron Man to the Avengers movie, which right. I think everybody can agree that when the Avengers came out in 2012, that was one of the, like craziest, most ambitious like movie events that had happened in quite some time. That was a game changer for sure. It was it was a game changer because we've never seen that kind of star power come together right. from different movies and all be in the same timeline, same universe, whatever. That was that was a game changer. And obviously since then they've kind of just taken it and run with it and there's so much going on with that now. But I think what's yeah. interesting about Star Wars is that if if it flopped, if even episode four flopped george lucas only came up with star wars it was never called the new hope and in, in the beginning right. it was just it was just star wars oh. and you had episode, yeah. you had that that movie which is now episode four but it was just star wars and then when it you know blew up and fans loved it and everybody wanted more he he had a point like he he left it at a point where it could be picked up because of all the seeds that were planted with with, with his father uh, being a Jedi and having the lightsaber, even though he hardly ever used it, and stuff like that, and so he had plot points to build on. Because at the end of of that movie, you could argue that you could just leave it at that. The you know the right. they won, they blew up the Death Star, and that's that that could have been it. You could make an argument for that, and I mean that would have yeah. sucked <laughs> because yeah. there would have been too many <laughs> but you could make an argument that that could have been it, and but obviously it wasn't, and the thing is that George Lucas had a lot of help, which is really great too. He had a lot of fans writing things in, saying like, "Here's what you could do." He had a team sifting through ideas and and different storylines, making sure that nothing overlapped. And yeah, that's that how, was smart. 
and that's how Legends was so successful because nothing ever overlapped, nothing contradicted because he had a team of people that were all working to make sure that that didn't happen, which is awesome. And I think we need to find a way to get that back into yeah, back into the the mix because we've got yeah. some contradictory things going on in Star Wars <laughs> right now, but not with all these new shows, which is good. I feel like these announcements that we got the other day, um, they kind of, they didn't say it, but it seems like they're saying, like, we're going to pay more attention because they brought in great directors, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel like they're making a point saying, like, from now on, like, we have these people, so Star Wars is going to be okay. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think the other thing is that they are clearly going to be more focused on the small screen moving forward. I mean, we got yeah. t- two movies announced. Obviously, I think we're going to have a third movie in the middle because I-, I don't see why they would release two Star Wars movies. I mean, they've always come in groups of three. Um, so you got Road Squadron and then whatever Taika Waititi is doing. I'm sure they're going to come up with a third at some point, you know, whenever. But the amount of shows that have been announced between, you know, Ahsoka the kenobi show they're making a bad batch show which i'm very excited for that's gonna be so cool um so good it's gonna be awesome the the acolyte you have a a cassian andor series which also i'm very excited for me too (laughs) And, and they announced a lando show which everybody loves lando calrissian but he's been such a convoluted and like kind of weird character Similar to Boba Fett, where like everybody knows he's awesome, but you, nobody really knows where, he, like, how he's awesome. Right. Um, yeah. So. And I, I, I really feel like Solo did not do a good job of of helping anyone understand anything about his character. I I have to agree with that. So I'm excited was, that <laughs> I'm I'm excited was, that Lando's getting a show. I hope that they incorporate Han Solo in it a lot because yeah. I I. I have some friends who were saying, like, why didn't they just make a solo show? Um, well, they made a solo movie, and it didn't do very well in really terms of, like, it, fan it just, appreciation. Oh, so, But I hope that if they do a Lando show, he'll have the Falcon, right. and Han will be with him. Yeah. And it'll yeah. just be more focused on, on their relationship, but more so on Lando's backstory than Han's backstory. Yeah. But, I mean, you could even incorporate it both. Like, it, there's there's no reason why they wouldn't, because they've been... They were they were they were friends and they they did a lot of stuff together, you know, in their younger part of their I guess career if you want to call it that. But <laughs> yeah, and they were they were chill. So I want to hop on the uh, the solo train real quick before <laughs> we get go. off of it. I, listen, I I wanted so badly to like that movie because I love Star Wars and I love westerns, and it just wasn't there. And I love you know donald glover like i i I loved so much about that movie i just did not like the movie and i think where they went wrong is where a lot of uh offshoots of of movie series that are very successful go wrong which is they tried to get too big too fast so i think they went for like the grand conspiracy angle as the conflict as opposed to having like um like the whole han and jabba thing that would have been perfect yeah. for a solo movie it would have been ideal because he's a he's kind of a low-level villain that like is overarching throughout the entire series and incorporates all this stuff that's now canon but it mm-hmm. doesn't get too big for its britches too fast and it's not too much 
to um, resolve in an hour and 30, hour and 45 minute movie. I think what they did wrong is they went too big. And what I would have liked to see is more direct influence from like the spaghetti Westerns of like the 1960s and 70s, where like you've got, I don't know. I, I think of good, the bad, and the ugly. Like that would have been awesome with uh, with Han and Lando and Jabba. Like I think that would have been really fun. And obviously they can't do a direct ripoff of good, the bad, and the ugly. But I think that <laughs> right. more influence from that as opposed to making a Star Wars movie that has Western themes, making like a Western movie that's set in the Star Wars universe, I think would have been a lot cooler. And I think yeah, it would have gotten more fan appreciation. I think what they tried to do with it is give the answers to what the Kessel Run was. Yeah. Um, which I mean, it would have been cool if it was, you know, done better, I guess. But it was just, <laughs> it was just kind of weird. And I think everybody wanted to know what happened, but nobody really like. I don't want to say nobody enjoyed it, but it was just kind of like, oh, okay, it happened. Um, yeah. Because of this really weird set of circumstances that um he was kind of just forced into. And it, it felt really forced, like, the, the whole event of doing the Kessel Run and under 12 parsecs or whatever it is, like, that idea was stated a lot throughout the movie, from what I remember. I haven't watched it in a while. But I, I feel I felt like that was a very forced plot line. And then the whole, the, the part of, of, of it that really bothered me was them bringing Maul in at the end. Yeah. I was like, why is he even, <laughs> why is he even here? Yeah. Like, <laughs> just tell his stories in the shows because Honestly, that's what they've been doing. They, I mean, his story ends in Rebels. Everybody knows that. that. Here for that. What? I think, I think I left the theater before the Darth Maul scene. That's awesome. Well, he was on a hologram for like <laughs> five seconds uh, with oh, his robot okay. legs. No, I do remember that. I, yeah. I was under the impression that it was like an after credits thing. I was going to say, I definitely, as soon as the second the title card came up, I was out. I was gone. He was literally in the movie for all of like eight seconds with his robo legs sitting down. And I was like, oh, he's a crime lord. But yeah, I mean, that, not, oh my not God. really. He was kind of yeah. just trying to make sure he didn't die when Order 66 happened. Which I don't <laughs> yeah. even remember when. Did Solo happen before Order 66? I think so, right? Yeah, I don't it even happened know. before the events of the original trilogy. I am very curious what the plot of the obi-wan kenobi series is going to be i'm so hoping it's about him and anakin right after uh uh qui-gon dies like like i want a portion of the series to be about the intermediate time between the first of the sequel or the first where of the is, where obi-wan is training him right i would love that to would see be awesome like even just some flashbacks but i i really hope it harps on like what happens directly after mustafar because that's such a weird relationship where he just dips and then they meet again like 20 years later yeah <laughs> yeah i think that could be uh, a part of the reason why they brought hayden christensen back is because they want him for flashbacks yeah i think that'd uh, be that'd be raw and i think there's that only four episodes you... right what there's only gonna be four episodes what yeah wow. i i heard them say that are they gonna be um, like, a lot of like people longer were... are they gonna be like an hour like a lifetime documentary miniseries i really hope so but i heard them say that it is only four episodes maybe that's just like the pilot run where they're like figuring out i mean i hope hope but ewan mcgregor is a busy busy man so i feel like they'd only do one series of that yeah if if they gave us four and a half hours of kenobi content and it told a story 
that everybody wanted to hear and that was connective and made sense, I don't think anyone would have a problem with it. No, as long as um, I mean, uh, yeah. Ian McGregor and Hayden Christensen are going to be there, so any screen time is good screen time. That is something I wanted to bring about. Bring up about the Mandalorian is the the length of the episodes. Mm-hmm. They've been very inconsistent. Yep. Um, and like yep. like like one of them was fifty minutes plus, and then the next one was you know thirty thirty three. Uh, and I kind of like it though. They're not. I, it's not like a say, traditional show. I like it because it it shows that Dave Filoni is considering exactly what story he wants to tell and not saying more or less than that. Um, like I feel like every episode has ended off in a place where it feels like it should, and yeah. no matter how long it is, so you could have a lot happen. Like in the Ahsoka episode, that was pretty long. That was one of the longer episodes. It didn't really feel like it was that long. And it got so much information with some Grogu backstory, with some Ahsoka new lore, with Thrawn, which is super exciting. Um, but and and then the episode ends, and you have your you know your heart wrenching moment where you think that they're going to separate because he's going to give Grogu up to Ahsoka, but then she won't train him, whatever. But I mean, you have all these different things, and then in the next episode, it's like thirty minutes. Of just running gun action. Yeah. And it feels awesome. And then your heart is ripped out at the end. And you're like, <laughs> yes. man, well, this sucks. But, I mean, where else would he have gone? He told the story he wanted to yeah. tell in 30 minutes, and that's it. That's all you need to do. What are you going to do? Put in five more minutes of Boba Fett beating the snot out of some stormtroopers? Like, I wouldn't, <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind. That would have been, been cool. But there was no more story to be told in that episode. Right. So I'm okay with it being shorter. And I know some people who are more like, oh, yeah. every episode should be pretty much the same length. Like, why Why do you have a short episode? That's weird. I think that he's kind of following the George Lucas model where, like, if you look at the original trilogy, like, it, they, I don't know how to put this. There's no fat on the movies. Like, there's right. nothing in there that's put into pad runtime that doesn't need to be there. And yeah. I think that that's the beauty of it, is you have, like, in essence, they're, like, kind of playing hopscotch with the episodes. Like, you've got the overarching, mm-hmm. like, distance that you have to go with the entire season. Like, the, the start of your arc and the end of your arc, where you want the season to go. And then you're, you're taking these little, like, mini bounces to get there. And, like, each one is a different length because you're covering different distances because you want to have certain elements that are are expressly stated and some that are left kind of in the dark uh, to, right. to keep fans wondering. I think that's the beauty of it is that they're they're not constrained to a specific like amount of time that each episode has to be. So they're writing each episode with the goal of having a small overarching story for the episode that plays into the grander overarching story for the entire series or for the season and then an even grander one for the series. Right, because mm-hmm. I mean, if you tried to squeeze everything that happened in in the Ahsoka episode into forty two minutes, I don't think you could have done it effectively. No, Similarly, I don't think that stretching out last week's episode or whatever was the the tragedy. I think that's what yeah. it was called. Yeah, I don't think that stretching that out to be a fifty minute episode would have done anyone any good. Right, because I mean, I what else, what else was he gonna do? He had 
He went to the seeing stone. I mean, you could have had Mando try to break him out like four more times. That could have wasted some <laughs> some time. I mean, um, I guess, yeah. But he already tried. He already tried it a few times. We didn't need to see that anymore. Um, but there, I, there's nothing else they really could have done, in my opinion, yeah. besides maybe go find Bill Burr if, if they wanted to. <laughs> but they just left that open up in the <laughs> in the end of that episode. So that wasn't a. That wasn't anything that they needed to do in that episode. Yeah. So it, it would have just been, everyone would have been able to tell that it was just, you know, what yeah. you said. It's like fat. It's like so, padding around yeah. what the story is just for runtime. I feel yeah, like I, hitting a word count. Or sorry, go ahead, Bridget. Yeah, it does feel you're, like hitting a word count. Yeah. I, I do want to talk about um, the last episode um, because we know there's going to be an Ahsoka series. And it sounds to me that, I mean, I'm just guessing that they're going to look for Ezra in the Ahsoka series. Like, that's I, just my guess. So I feel like that Ezra won't be the one to train Grogu if he does choose the Jedi path. So that leaves open the Skywalkers, Leia and Luke, and it leaves open Cal Kestis. Cal Kestis is my pick. He's my pick too, and I think that they're leaning towards that because when he was on the scene zone, the way that Grogu was seeing things, meditating, I don't know, um, it looked like when you went to the save points right. for Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. I, I saw a video, I'm not going to try to take credit for this because I don't have original thoughts, but um, <laughs> it, was on, it was on Star Wars Theory on, on YouTube, and he was saying that Cal Kestis could be a very real possibility because of his ability to touch an object and understand its history um, mm -hmm. or see yeah. memories around that. And if if Grogu, first of all, there were a lot of hints leading up to, to Cal just with like the whatever the text around the rock and stuff like that. But if if Cal were to hear the call from Grogu, make it to Tython, Obviously, it would be too late now, but he would be able to look at the rock and touch it and see everything Grogu saw. Yeah. And and understand what had happened, and he would know exactly where to go. And I think we yeah. could. I think it's a very real possibility that we could see a a moment where they're fighting on Moff Gideon's ship in this last episode, and they're trying to get Grogu back, and they're kind of at a moment of defeat. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, you know, you get the, the boomerang lightsaber move from Cal Kestis knocking the Darksaber out of Moff Gideon's hand. <laughs> I, think, I, think it's, I think it's a very real possibility. And I know a lot of people wanted Luke Skywalker. I know a lot of people would want Mace Windu. Um, but they already brought back one dead character. And I don't yeah. think they would do it again, at least in this season. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if they pull some shenanigans and say that Mace Windu is still alive because it's it's a very real possibility and I know a lot of fans would want that. But I don't think they'll do it this season and I don't think that they'll try to de-age Mark Hamill again. Did you see the Star Wars theory like the YouTube channel that guy? Yeah. He said he he was saying like Anakin could have been the one that saved Grogu. Um yeah, on I saw Coruscant, that. right? So I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting too. Yeah, I don't know how they're gonna explain that, but it's certainly possible. 
But I think I think the biggest thing for me with Cal is the the voice actor looks like him, which yeah. they don't really do that often, because um, they don't yeah. have much of a reason to. It's become more common in recent years. Like it actually kind of started with Force Unleashed. The voice actor, like they used him for the mocap. He looks the exact yeah. same as Starkiller. And I think that from then on, like games like Call of Duty, like they had Kevin Spacey and cutscenes and stuff. And like right. obviously he's the voice actor. He looks like the real actor. Yeah. They had Alec Baldwin <laughs> or whatever. I just think that like they've started doing it more. And I think it's interesting because uh, actually I'll let you you go with that point first. Yeah. I, I just think that well when did Fallen Order came out a few years ago, right? Like was it twenty twenty eighteen? Was it a year ago? Was it, was uh, it, yeah, only a, year it was ago? a year ago in January, yeah. Maybe. Okay, but Okay, so wait, it, it did not come out this January though, right? Hold on. I don't. It was recently because I just played it and I was like a few months late to it. Um, I, I felt like it had been out forever when I played it over the summer, but um, whenever it came out, I mean, he's older now, obviously. November twenty fourth, twenty twenty. Oh no, no, no. Sorry, it came out on Xbox One <laughs> in November, November twenty nineteen. Sorry. So yeah, it's been about a year, right? So yeah. Um, a year and a month. Yeah, if if they were to bring in, you know, Cal Kestis, obviously he's going to be older than he was in the game. Um, and I think that would be really, really awesome because the actor would look a year older. He could have some facial hair, potentially. He could have a slightly different hairstyle. But if he walks in with a dual bladed, a dual blue lightsaber with one shorter blade than the other, and ginger hair, everybody's gonna know who it is. And you got BD8 right. on his back. Everybody's yeah. gonna know who it is. So what's and, that about? Do you like? Does it is it explained in the game? I didn't play it. Like the shorter. Uh, so one what happens there. is. So I was talking about this earlier. Jaro Tapal was his master, and when yeah. Order sixty six mm-hmm. happened, he sensed it. He was one of the the few Jedi who could sense it. Um, and so he he tried to warn, or tried he tried to save himself and Cal. Because they were on one of those ships with a lot of troopers on them, he ended up uh, dying because Cal lost his lightsaber, and um, he kind of sacrificed himself to save Cal. And he unfortunately he had a double bladed lightsaber, but it got like split; it got cut in half basically. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But Seer, who is the former Jedi, that found Cal when he tried to escape the prison or like the little scrapper that he was working at. She was once a Jedi. She had a lightsaber, but she didn't want anything to do with it because of her past and one of her Padawans becoming an Inquisitor because of what happened in Order 66. Uh, Yeah. So she basically gave Cal her lightsaber because his broke... um, but he goes to Ilum and he finds his kyber crystal. And to make it work, he fuses the two lightsabers together. So it's Jar- half Jaro Tapal, half Seer, and his kyber crystal in the middle. That was broken uh, in half. His okay. his kyber crystal broke because he was attacked by something, I think. Um, so he put a half of the kyber crystal in each one. And that's how it works. So, and he can split them apart. And he can throw them, and he he's very very force strong. Like he's he's very that's powerful. Right. Um, but that's how he gets his double bladed lightsaber, and they're both a little bit different in length, I believe. Okay, um, cool. 
But I mean, they would know. Everybody would know who it is because no one has double bladed blue lightsabers. <laughs> um, I mean, my true. lightsaber was purple. Okay, so I mean, you know, <laughs> that is Sam L. Jackson only. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I love that story. Yeah. Uh, how did how did how did we get Sam L. Jackson to play Mace Windu? They gave him a purple lightsaber. Purple lightsaber. And then they that. came up with the lore later. <laughs> yep. He's like, I don't care. I, only way I'm going to be a Jedi in this movie is if you give me the coolest color for a lightsaber and nobody else. True. And they're like, deal. I bet. Well, and I love that because in the big fight scene. Uh, He's like, the one that stands yeah, out, yeah. You, you're, you're, like, you're like, okay, there's Mace Windu. They're like, oh, there, <laughs> there's that purple flash, you know, chopping off Jango's head again. Yay. Zing. Oh yeah, I want to go back to something real quick. We were talking about like who owns the lightsaber. So who yeah. really owns the Mandalorian armor? Boba like, Fett. Okay, but here's the thing though, is it's not his originally, really. Well, right, but so it's um Mandalorian armor works a little bit differently. As you could see in like the little code that he showed up, you know what I'm talking about? How he, he came up with the little chain code on his armor. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of people got to decoding that. And it basically just said that um, Jango Fett was a foundling, which means he wasn't actually a Mandalorian. Oh. But mm-hmm. Mandalor- it was similar to how Din Djarin became a Mandalorian, where he was kind of on his own. His parents were killed, and he was taken in by a Mandalorian and trained in the Mandalorian way. But it was a different sector of the Mandalorian, like a different, I, I don't want to say like race, but a different like group. Of Mandalorians, yeah, where Mando was Death Watch. I forget which one. I think it was called the True Mandalorians. I, yeah. I don't exactly remember. But I mean, they're super chill. They can take off their helmets if they want to. That's <laughs> that's the vibe. But <laughs> yeah. Um, so he was a foundling, same as Mando, and a lot of Mandalorians were foundlings because right. Mandalore mm-hmm. was kind of a mess after yeah. <laughs> the Clone Wars. So he got his Mandalorian armor, and that was his. And when he died. That armor was was passed down to Boba Fett, right. and that became his armor. Okay, All right. so that's how it works. But the reason that, um, it like it wasn't Cobb Vance because he just found it. Right, he just yeah. got it. It was not rightfully given to him. He just you know found it in he the sand it. or whatever. Yeah, or bought it from the he pulled the bridge. He bought it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. $214 and I gave it up because of a Kray Dragon? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I, I think um, there's interesting comparisons to be made between uh, the Mandalorians, like given that there's a bunch of different um, kind of factions of them and, and their recruiting style is very interesting. I think there's a lot of comparisons to be made to the Plains Indians who often were like, you know, nomadic. Um, and in this case, the Mandalorians are, or at least the, the, the faction that Mando comes from. Uh, is semi-nomadic because their home has been destroyed and then they keep getting raided. But the fact mm-hmm. that they don't really mess with like recruiting adults, they basically just pick up children from who are left behind in like whatever they're doing. Like they show up and there's kids there and they're like, ah, okay, orphans, come on. I think it's very <laughs> similar to how like the Comanche recruit, which is like, I mean, it, it's slightly different because the Comanche would come in and, and murder a whole group of settlers for being on their <laughs> land, and then they would take the the children with them, the really young children, so that 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 were old enough to be self sufficient, be young enough that they could still be trained, 
Uh, and I think that that that's kind of what we're seeing there is like Din is probably like what do you think like eight when he gets picked up as a foundling? Uh, that's what yeah, it looked like to me around uh, that age. He's old enough to like not you know die from tripping and falling, but he's young enough that he can still kind of be molded. And and as we see that, like he he's super adherent to what he believes the true Mandalorian code is. I think that's a really cool comparison, and I feel like it's intentional. But I I don't have any way of proving that. Like nobody's nobody's talked about it. But I feel like it's an <laughs> nobody's intentional talking about it comparison uh or, or an intentional like they're drawing inspiration from that i think yeah yeah really interesting it's there's always some kind of real world inspiration from almost anything yeah um george lucas like me hasn't had many original thoughts he's i'm just kidding he did but um <laughs> i mean i feel like there's always i feel like there's always a little bit of inspiration from yeah. from something as much or as little as you take from it. Yeah. One thing that, that's kind of upset me in, in recent history is uh, when when George Lucas, you know, or when Lucasfilm was bought out by Disney, you had this restructuring where Disney's like, all right, none of the stuff except the movies and, you know, some of the TV shows is canon anymore. Like none of the legend stuff, all the books, not canon anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's upsetting because it was really good material and it was a good stories, but it was not Disney written and Disney did not have the rights to it. And so Disney was like, we can't make profit off this. It's gone. And that, that kind of upsets me because it's like, you're, you're basically like telling these fans who have like, you know, they're excited about, about this stuff. Like my cousin, uh, John grew up with the legends book series or series. Yeah. Like with, with all yeah. the books that came out and, he really loved them. Like he read all of them. And then uh, we were at Star Wars Celebration 2016. And he's like, yeah, there's all this cool stuff. And Disney, you know, buys out Star Wars and now none of it's canon anymore. And it's like, yeah. all the, like none of this mm-hmm. stuff is ever going to get made into movies or TV shows or books anymore. Because it's And I like, think, I think yeah. the worst part of it all is that later on down the line, when Disney was getting backlash for the mediocrity of the sequels, Kathleen Kennedy said something to the effect of like, oh, well, we don't have any like books or comics to base our stories off of. And I was Wrong. like, you're kidding, right? <laughs> you're <an idiot>. um, <laughs> Hello? Like she was Wrong. clearly <laughs> taking shots at like Marvel and DC movies yeah. Yeah, for having comics that or are like Harry Potter. Or whatever. Yeah. And like and Harry Potter. Yeah. And, and things like that. And I'm like, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, you know, you did. <laughs> yep. <laughs> at yep. one but point. You did, though. Um, I know the Thrawn series, like, there was a trilogy, um, it's not canon, and there's now a new trilogy that is canon, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, and there's another one coming out. So, so the last, okay, so I have the first book of the new trilogy. The one before that, it was canon, but it's not anymore, right? Right. I think so. Well, that's upsetting. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's a little upsetting. And the Clone Wars season seven decanonized the Ahsoka novel. Oh. Because there were a lot of details that were different. And, I love it. I love it. Yeah. We love it. But it it's it's fine. I'm excited yeah. to see what they do with Theron in the shows more so than what they yeah. do in the books. And but that's just me. I think Um, who do we want to play Thrawn? Because there's <sighs> been like oh God, I think Bendit Cumberbatch. Would be right, incredible. Dang it! Never mind. I was gonna say, in a perfect world, if Mads Mikkelsen had not been in Rogue One, 
I would have said Mads Mikkelsen. Oh, uh, yeah. I mm-hmm. want to see blue-skinned, red-eyed, black-haired Mads Mikkelsen. I think that would be nuts. No, I don't I know how I feel about Benedict Cumberbatch. I think Tom Hiddleston would make an excellent throw. I was, I was going to say. Tom Hiddleston Another be, great Brit. He, he might be good. Because he, I, you, if you're going to get Thrawn, you need someone who can have, like, unquestionable confidence and, like, just chilling tone the yeah. whole mm-hmm. time. Because that's how Thrawn is. He's right. just menacing 24-7. Never the, questions uh, a thing he does. Who's the guy who played Spock? I, I don't remember his name. He was an American. Uh, Zachary Quinto. Yes, I think he would make an excellent Thrawn, too. I think I it's too, yeah. monotonous, pr- monotonous and sort of intimidating presence that he brings about in, in uh, the J.J. The Abrams Star Trek series, I think would lend itself very well to Thrawn. Um, but my top pick is still Tom Hiddleston. Because, you know. You know. Yeah. You know. You know. It's, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I was going to say, what kind of makes me sad is, like, you've got this thing with uh, the Lord of the Rings series where it's like nobody's really messing with the story too much. I mean, listen, I'm a purist, so I'm really pissed at, at um, the Hobbit series and how the weird stuff that they did with that. <laughs> it, I think, honestly, I genuinely believe the reason that they're not, like, adding books and, and crazy stuff is because J.R.R. Tolkien is dead. I think if, uh, God rest his soul, if George Lucas was dead, then we wouldn't have all this <laughs> weird stuff going on where they're like decanonizing stuff he like he contributed in writing and like adding stuff that he never intended to be added. Like there's this idea of like the sanctity of the dead and like everything that they've done. And we just don't mess with it as much as we do people that are living. And I think it's an odd like level of disrespect where we're like, you're alive. So we'll ruin your life's work for fun. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, I find it that really interesting. That being said, I hope George Lucas stays alive for a long time because I need more Star Wars. Yes. Content. But uh, I think if he were dead, we would have a much, much more stable uh, uh, sort of repertoire of Star Wars uh, literature mm-hmm. and films and stuff. One of the things that, that goes along with that that I find interesting is the Stan Lee situation. Yes. It's, it's been, what, two years since he passed away? Two years, a couple months. Yeah, I think it was was in 2018. I mean, Marvel has not slowed down. Nope. But Mm -hmm. I think part of that is because Stan Lee wouldn't have wanted them to. Right. Um, Obviously, they're making a lot of money, so they're just going to keep making movies. That's kind of the thing. But at the same time, like, Stan Lee was one of those people where he all he cared about was, at least, you know, later on in his career, all he really cared about was just bringing characters to life that people enjoyed. And uh, that was his big thing with Spider-Man is he just wanted people to like the character. Um, and yeah. when he saw the movies happening, he was very excited about it. And he was always as involved, you know, as he could be in terms of just being there and like making cameos and stuff like that, because that was his thing. And I mean, I don't think that his death has affected the way that uh, Marvel is treating the movies and shows that they're making. If if anything, I feel like they're putting more effort into it now, mm-hmm. even though it's yeah. starting to get weird and it's getting to a place where and Star Wars is getting here, too, where a lot of the casual fans, that's not like derogatory or anything, but a lot of the casual fans who just, you know, watch the movies a couple times, maybe 
are going to start to lose interest maybe because they won't really yeah. understand what's going on. Like we're, we're getting a high Republic show. Like nobody really knows that much about that in general. Um, if you haven't watched the Clone Wars, you don't, or Rebels, you don't know anything about Ahsoka. Um, so so I, I feel like we're just we're getting to a point where we're done with the retcons, and we're getting to like the really deep, weirder sides of of stories in in fictional characters, and like with Marvel, like we're we're just done with like Iron Man, whatever. Like everybody knows that. They're starting to go to like new weirder things like the Eternals and stuff like that mm-hmm. that nobody really knows. <laughs> nobody really knows that much about them unless they read comic books or watch a lot of YouTube videos or do a lot of research or whatever. Um, but I'm kind of happy about it because I'm getting a little tired of the retcons. So I'm glad that they're just exploring new things. And I think as long as they make it with the intention of making good television or good film, uh, no matter what it's about, I think people will enjoy it. Yeah. But I mean the sequels weren't good film, so <laughs> yeah. that's a lot of the reason why people didn't enjoy it beyond just the way that the characters were. Yeah. I mean that kind of hit something that I, I haven't quite been able to put my finger on recently. It's like all these like trilogies or, or series that are based off of books or, or like overarching uh you know, former trilogies, whatever, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, uh, Star Trek, things like that, is it's like, um, if it's not a good film, I'm not going to enjoy it purely for the fact that it's fan service. Like, uh, that's I've had issues with several Marvel movies because I love the MCU. I love, like, uh, Iron Man's one of my favorite movies. But, like, mm-hmm. if it's not a good film, I'm not going to enjoy it. That's what a yeah. lot of people have problems you with Endgame about. Stick enough, yeah, exactly. You can't stick enough fan service in a crappy movie to make me think it's a good movie. And I think that's the problem that I've had with the sequels. Is like even mm-hmm. in, in sequels, I didn't really love them. They weren't great movies. But like the original trilogy, like genuinely, it's it's good filmmaking. And Rogue One, good filmmaking. Like mm-hmm. these kind of movies where there's like overarching story and it contributes to the plot of this like you know, the Lucasfilm or now Disney universe, but still maintains good cinematography and, and good film practices. I think that's important. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that happened in the MCU is you had Infinity War, which was really not that fan servicey. Right. And it was purely just to tell the story of what had happened. And yeah. it was heart-wrenching and it wasn't too reliant on the CGI. It was really, really good. I thought it was one of the best movies in the MCU. And when Endgame came out, obviously I loved it. I think it's a great, mm-hmm. fun movie. Um, but, you know, once you get past the shock factor and and the excitement and the hype and you start looking at it more, yeah, there's a lot of little, like, small visual details that were messed up in post-production, like, in one moment, Ant-Man is in the van, and the next moment, he's giant and punching another Leviathan. It's like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, it, it's not that big of a deal, but like, and nothing really felt forced, but right. it was yeah. a long movie, and you're at the end of the the big story that you've been trying to tell, and I'm not going to sit here and say that it's bad or that I didn't like it, because I think it was at least a decent movie. I don't think it was a bad movie from a film standpoint. That that much but 
it's just because you have all that emotional connection to the characters and i don't think that you can have that much emotional connection if they're not good movies yeah um, but Endgame was definitely very fan servicey and very like we're just gonna go all out with the effects we're gonna yeah. go all out with these crazy storylines that may not make the most sense right now but we can fix it later yeah that's um yeah that that kind of upset me and i i think they could have gone different directions for a conclusion um but i mean something like that is just so hard to figure out a way around i guess and yeah mm-hmm. i i think they could have done it better but I, i'm not like disappointed with it if if that makes sense i'm disappointed with the sequels of star wars because i think that they really just messed up so many things yeah i think there's a bit of like it comes with the territory of making a superhero movie or a sci-fi movie where like it's difficult to do it and do it well and, and like, make everybody happy enjoy it yeah but also have it be good cinema like i think it was martin scorsese that said this isn't uh, cinema right the mcu is not cinema and honestly it's a drastic stance but i 100 percent agree and i don't think it was designed to be cinema i think it was designed to be fun and for people who are, enjoy comic books to enjoy seeing their favorite comic book characters on the big screen and i think that that's all it was ever meant to be but yeah, yeah I can see when that. you get to something like the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, like Christopher Nolan, wonderful director. I love yes. pretty much every movie he's ever put out. Like, honestly, I genuinely enjoyed most of the movies that I've seen that were his work. And that yes. includes the, the Batman trilogy. Like, I loved, mm-hmm. loved Batman Begins. The Dark Knight I is really one of my favorite movies Batman. of all time. The Dark Knight is on my top five list of, of greatest movies of all time. And it's, even Dark Knight Rises, I really did not enjoy it when I saw it in theaters, but I think it was because I was too young. But I, I've rewatched the entire trilogy like in a, in a couple days span, I think twice since I saw it the first time. And in the context mm-hmm. of the other movies, it's an excellent movie. It really it ties together the whole trilogy with a nice little bow, and it leaves you feeling good about where everything's at, but still questioning um, what happened. And I think that's really important. Because I think part of the issue with the MCU is they've tried to give everyone all of the answers. Yeah. It's become a problem where, like, I genuinely am not interested in the new MCU movies that come out. Like, I'll go watch them if, like, like James and I are friends. If James wants to go watch it, I'll go watch it with him. If he's watching it at his house, I'll watch it with him. But, like, I'm not going to go out of my way to pay for an opening night ticket to go see these. But if Christopher Nolan was like, hey, I'm making a Superman series now, I would be first in line for the midnight (laughs) movie. 100%. Yeah. And that that goes back into the thing of like, it's just so convoluted now because they're, they're past the point of retconning. Like they're not going to just restart anymore (laughs) because they're, they're beyond that. And one of the things that I actually, I really hope it's really good because of everything that's been talked about is the, the next star, uh, not star Wars, the next Spider-Man movie. Mm Mm-hmm where there's the idea that they're going to make a live-action Spider-Verse and they're going to bring in Andrew Garfield and they're going to bring in Tobey Maguire and they're bringing in all these past actors for villains. And I think it could be, I think it could be so cool, despite being a little bit fan servicey, just because things like that are just awesome. And they're bringing in all the, the fan-favorite villains, which... Again, fan servicey, but they were also just really good. Like Spider-Man right. Two, one of the best superhero movies that yep. has been made. Yeah, and 
Doc Ock was the villain there. So and they're bringing back yes. OG Doc Ock, and I'm excited. About yes, it. and that's that's awesome. And as fan servicey as it is, you're also bringing in a a talented actor right. who brought a character to life in a way that everybody enjoyed and loved, and yeah. he was compelling. So hopefully they keep. I hope they keep that and build on it, and don't just bring him in for the sake of oh he's here now. Look at this. Yeah. <laughs> My only issue with that is um. When you get into things like time travel or multiverse, there's the potential for things to go very wrong very fast. Yes. There yes. are two movies that I think that have done time travel well, and there's one movie that I think has done time travel slash multiverse kind of okay. And the two movies mm-hmm. that I think have done it well are Interstellar. Yes. And um, to some extent, the J.J. Abrams uh, Wrath of Khan movie. The Star Trek one, it was okay. It wasn't great. Um, but I think that the the reason that, that Interstellar did it well was that they weren't like, ooh, time travel. Ooh, we're going to do crazy stuff. They were like, no, like here's yeah. what is happening and here's how it's affecting uh, the characters. And they even brought in the kind of brought in the multiverse. Really, they brought in dimensions. But the, yeah, the like, dimensions. They, they, they looked at it through a lens of how is this affecting the characters? And you're basically seeing it from the unreliable narrative narrator point of view, which is like, you're looking through the eyes of Matthew McConaughey's character. And so it's like, you're seeing his interpretation of things. Similar to like when you read about angels in the Bible, you're not actually like reading what they look like. You're reading what the characters that saw them think they looked like. Like you're seeing what Matthew McConaughey's mind can rationalize it as. And I think that's a really intelligent way to go about it. Because and like, even in a time that was as like advanced as they were in, it's not like right. they were just like time traveling. The right. time travel came from scientific, yes, you know, facts. And that, that's and, what I think was really important. That was, was like, really cool. They rationalized it well, and and seeing it through a character's point of view, it allows you to kind of write off little mistakes. So, like in twenty years, let's say we discover that the multiverse is real, and we get a picture of like what that interdimensional space is going to look like. If it's mm-hmm. different from what Interstellar portrayed, like Christopher Nolan can be like, well, yeah, but that was what Matthew McConaughey's character's interpretation of what it looked like was, and that's what you were seeing on screen. And right. it kind of shields you from this uh, wall of criticism that's going to hit you from the scientific and the nerd community like us. But I think that you have the potential for it to get really weird, like it did in the MCU, where there's just like you know, multiverse, people are time traveling, space, aliens and stuff. And it's like, it gets really, really complex because yes. they're trying to look at it from a holistic perspective as opposed to looking at it from a character perspective. Like if we were seeing all yeah. this crap from the perspective of just Iron Man or just Captain America, it would be different because they're humans. And so we're seeing it through a human lens and then we're interpreting what that means. But we're also seeing it through like Thanos and Gamora right. and, but now and Rocket Raccoon and all these other characters. To, they're <laughs> trying to look at it from a, a third person perspective where it's just like, it's not anybody's interpretation. It is what's happening, and you have to interpret that. And that's incredibly difficult to do because, like, right. you're trying to use limited means to create abstract, like, depictions of abstract concepts, and it just doesn't work. Like, that's why I don't think there's ever been a good Lovecraftian movie or, or like, a true Lovecraftian movie. Like, there have yeah. been movies that have used Lovecraftian ideals, but, like, you know, you can't depict eldritch horror because the the reason it's eldritch horror is because you can't know what it looks like you, your your brain can't rationalize it <laughs> yeah it's like 
it's it's a struggle for filmmaking, but I think like you you just have to be smart about it. And I think Christopher Nolan was really good about it uh, in Interstellar. And I think that he did the right thing when he got you know a lot of the scientific community involved to to make sure that he was uh, you know saying things that weren't just total BS. Right. And yeah. Especially in a setting like that, I feel like in a comic book movie you can kind of get away with it. I agree, just like yeah. oh oh this this alien race whoa. But in a in a <laughs> in a world that is supposed to be like the future, but of like this world yeah, where it could ease, it could be an obtainable, like an obtainable scenario. I yeah, think it's very important it to way. keep it pretty factual. Right. Yeah. Cause you don't, you don't want it to get too outlandish despite it being a bit of an outlandish concept of like, yeah, you're asking people to suspend their the, disbelief. And if you go too hard on that, they're, they're going to be upset. Like, right. Well, yeah. You don't want you don't want to suspend the disbelief too much. You want to keep it real throughout the fantastical ideas, I guess. You got to ride that line of interest versus suspension of disbelief. Because if they can stay Correct. interested enough to suspend their disbelief without feeling like, well, this is kind of childish, then you, mm -hmm. you've done your job pretty well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Dead air. <laughs> I think on this note we can end this episode because we have been talking for quite a lot <laughs> we have been talking for a minute now. it's been a been a little bit yeah all right well good job everybody good work yeah, team gg guys <laughs> <laughs>